The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to episode number 101 of the Marine Layer podcast. The Mariners still have some budget available, and they'll probably spend it at the deadline. Who could they acquire? Well, it could be Nolan Arenado. We'll see how realistic that is. Take a look around baseball with our MLB wraparound and close out the show with Speak Your Mind. Before we start the show, your reminder, if you're listening to the podcast, download the episodes, rate and review, five stars. It helps us out a ton. And if you're watching... You know what helps us out big time? If you hit that big red subscribe button, it takes about two seconds to do. And genuinely, you are doing us a huge favor. Like and comment as well. And then follow us on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube shorts, at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Wednesday evening, February 7th. And man, here on a Wednesday, what a day for the Smith and Jigba family. Whew. Do you want to start on the gridiron or the diamond? Let's let's start on the let's start on the gridiron. We we can just highlight let's highlight the fact the Mariners have signed, if you haven't seen it. Kanan Smith and Jigba, the brother of Seahawks first round wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. But while I welcome Kanan to the Mariners organization and welcome him to the Pacific Northwest, he was not the most notable Smith and Jigba today. If you haven't seen it, you haven't been online enough today. So Jackson was on a was on a Bears podcast and he was asked about the Bears hiring Seahawks, former Seahawks offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. And he gave one of the best answers I've ever heard in my life from a professional athlete. Best ever. The dude goes, I'm pretty sure it was on Radio Row at Super Bowl week in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. But while Jackson's opening Kanan up to Seattle with open arms, he is kicking Shane Waldron right out the door of the yeah. Pacific Northwest because he gets asked, oh, what should Bears fans or, or Bears players expect out of Shane Waldron? And he's like, um, well, it was kind of like that Garrett Cole answer when somebody <laughs> asked him, have you ever used spider tack? And he starts his first 10 seconds of that answer. Garrett Cole being like, um, I, I, that's basically how Jackson started his answer. And then he goes, are we live? It, yeah. Except it, 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 it wasn't even saying it. he was just like sitting there thinking it's like, well, if you have to sit and think about how your offensive coordinator will utilize offensive players. Yeah. And and then and then to cap it all off after he says are we live and then starts laughing again when he gets told yes or maybe they said no but they still posted it anyway he goes 
Good luck. <laughs> I I lost it. I've never seen an athlete throw a former coordinator under the bus so much in in such an like an unintentionally disrespectful way. I mean, Jackson Jackson did that. I remember speaking of Chip Kelly. We can get to that and speak your mind. But I remember when he was on his way out of Philadelphia, he was cycling some players off the roster. He got a ton of backlash for how he handled some professional athletes. I don't know if Shane Waldron quite did that to the Seahawks offense, but I'm going to take it. He wasn't a, all the skilled players weren't a huge fan of, uh, of how he operated. So glad the Smith and Jigba name was right in the headlines today. That's perfect to lead off this episode. Do you think DK and Tyler feel similarly about Waldron or is it just Jackson? I don't know. Maybe Jackson wanted the ball more and Waldron optimized DK and Tyler Lockett a lot more. Mm, that's a good question. I think we got to get him on a podcast and ask him and ask well, him. I, I think that would I think that would be better. The problem is you can see the difference here, right? Because if Jackson goes on 7-10, he's not saying that. They're not saying, "Oh, are you going to miss Shane Waldron?" I mean, he would, the, the, the PR staff of the Seahawks would be there to be like, okay, buddy, here's what we're going to say if they ask you about this. I, I don't know how much PR Jackson went through before he hopped on this, hopped on Radio Row and started talking. I, I don't know, like, what was he expecting? Do you think he was, he had to have been expecting that question, sitting down with a Bears, a Bears podcast? I was going to say, if you were getting asked by somebody affiliated or that does a podcast for the Chicago Bears, how many things can you possibly be asked about? Your your old offensive coordinators there now. What do you think they're asking you to break? Da- I mean, I guess you could break down Justin Fields if you want, although he may be out the door. So I don't know how many things he really thought he was going to be asked on that show. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't the greatest day in the world for Seahawks PR people. Not, not at all. And could you imagine Jackson's phone as soon as they posted that clip? First of all, I don't... I would be kind of shocked if Jackson ever goes on that program again now that they post him because, like, they kind of made him look bad. He, he did do that to himself, but you could go after that because when the, that company, the All City Network, not all of those things are live when they're recorded. He said, yeah, they're live. They're recording it. But if Jackson was like, hey, man, I don't want that kind of stuff out there. This isn't live radio. I know you can cut it out. And not only did they leave it in, but they clipped the specific part and then they posted it for the full world to see Jackson dragging his old offensive coordinator. So maybe Jackson doesn't care, but Seahawks PR sure does. Yeah, that was what is, I mean, forget what a day, what a span of a couple hours. Cause it was so shortly after that, that Kanan got announced. He was picked up by the Mariners. So what does Kanan we... think of Shane Waldron? Well, we might have to ask him. What are the odds we we flag him down at some point in spring training and we ask him like uh, favorite spot in Seattle in your time there? He answers favorite, um, you know, favorite place to travel. And then we go unfiltered thoughts on Shane Waldron. Did Shane Waldron give enough targets to Jackson Smith and Jigba? Yes. You know, would be why fun, is CJ Stroud your favorite quarterback? Because I know who CJ Stroud's favorite baseball player is. It's Cannon Smith and Jigba. Yes, it is. You know, it'll be really fun if somehow, some way, we got Jackson and Kanan together and did one of those like brotherly oh, questions yeah. on the mini mic. It's like, all right, which one of you gets triggered easier and you either have to point at yourself or another? And then we did, all right, which one of you is the better athlete? And then you have to point at one or the other. That'd be yeah. fun. Does Jackson want to come down to spring training? I mean, I would imagine he's gonna, 
right? Spend some time in Arizona, run some routes. I don't know. Maybe he wants to hang out with Kyler Murray. Maybe there's some back connection there. So he goes to hang out with Kyler Murray a couple days, and he swings over to the Peoria Sports Complex where everyone is and where where we would be. Like, hey, Jackson. That'd be great. Or it can be during the season, too, if Kanan gets called up, if Jackson Mm. is in town, if, if it's during training camp or any of that stuff. Swing on by to the stadium. I bet you they love him on the field. Yeah, we can talk some X's and O's and 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 Jackson's role as the number three wide receiver, how he lines up in the slot and how he plays off coverage and, and all that stuff. All the good stuff that our followers really like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've already spent the first eight minutes of this thing turning it into a football podcast already. So who oh, doesn't that's fine. Hey, the NFL is the moneymaker, dog. <laughs> yeah, it is. Speaking of Kanan, though. I didn't actually think the Mariners were going to do this. And not because Kanan Smith and Jigba doesn't have potential. He does. But I just more so thought it was a fun idea being thrown around out there on Twitter. Because there were some Mariners fans out there saying, oh, Kanan Smith and Jigba's available. How fun would that be? But I figured it was more just a pipe dream. I didn't think of, of all 30 teams that were going to pick him up. It was the Mariners. But that is one of the latest pieces of news in the Mariners world. They have signed Kanan Smith and Jigba, who's now going to be in spring training. He's had a cup of tea in the big leagues, just 18 games. He's only hit 125. Really hasn't been a a true sample size there. He was a former fourth-round pick of the the Yankees back in uh, in 2018. But he's not not a big power bat in the minors. He did hit for a little bit more power in AAA. He gets on base, though. He walks a a decent amount down there in the minor leagues. At AA throughout his career, he's had an on-base percentage just one point under 400 and triple a that on-base percentage is around 366 he's a good athlete he plays multiple outfield positions now that zach deloach is gone he's got an open spot down there in tacoma to go play which we're imagining that's where he's going to be playing to open up the the 2024 season which is down there at the tacoma rainiers and he's going to get the opportunity to hit a little bit and showcase his bat a little bit more as he's grown this is going to be his age 25 season he turns 25 on april 30th so he's going to get a nice, good hitter's environment to come to Seattle and showcase his talents. He will probably get a cup of coffee in the big leagues as well, as the Mariners like to cycle some of their fifth outfielder types up and down from the minor leagues. He's going to be behind Cade Marlowe and Taylor Trammell. But after that, you could definitely see Kanan having a shot at the big leagues. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? His upside actually might be a little bit better than what Deloach's is. I'm not saying certainly, but there's a chance because he has some pop, and the big thing with him is he can really run. He, he stole 20-plus bags down in AAA Indianapolis last year. So you can see why the Mariners like him. He's got some pop. He's got some speed. He can play the outfield. Good athlete. We'll see what happens, right? There's not that much we can break down about this. Obviously, in a short time in the big leagues, it hasn't been very good. But you know what? He's only had 44 big league plate appearances. It's not like he's had a full sample size or anything either. So, yeah, just see what happens. You, you never know when some of these guys finally click and turn it on maybe for Kane and a change of scenery is good for him yeah so we will uh so we'll see and he did he had a lot of success in the Yankees organization when he's coming up through the minors and then he got traded to Pittsburgh wasn't quite as rosy and now he's with the Mariners so we're gonna have to see that there was another Mariners move yesterday uh to add to the reliever pile in spring training Colin Snyder was claimed off waivers from the Diamondbacks not a whole lot of big league success, especially last year. He struggled, walked more batters than he struck out. There's some things to like with his slider, though. I'm going to credit Mariner Steve, who contributed to our mailbag last Friday, 
and he went up and he dug up uh, he dug up Colin Snyder's slider numbers. And there's a 36% whiff rate there. He had an 067 batting average against it with a 133 slug. So there's uh, like a little bit to like for a guy with an ERA over five and a strikeout rate that was uh, not very good this past season. In 20 innings, he struck out 11 batters. That is a whopping, uh, where is it? Oh, I didn't write that. It was like, it was 14%. Not very good. There's always something, though. When the Mariners sign one of these guys, what do we know? They like something. Otherwise, they're not bringing them in. And we know the Mariners are fantastic with reliever development. Not every single guy is going to work, but they probably see something. What is it with Snyder? It's the slider. His four-seam fastball actually isn't bad either. Those are his two pitches. Now, his four-seamer wasn't thrown at a high in, in high volume last year. But slider's the big one. And he doesn't get barreled up very hard. Like, he doesn't get hit hard. So I think that's the other thing they're looking at. And they say, look, we may have something here. Justin Topa in 2022, he didn't throw quite as many innings as Snyder did, but he didn't strike a ton of guys out. His walk rate was a little bit higher. And then it clicked. Snyder feels a little bit like that with a good slider, whether he doesn't get hit hard. Not saying he will be Justin Topa, but we'll see. And the Royals don't have the best pedigree with pitching development either. They have had Jackson Kowar. Hello. Not a not a sterling reputation of getting the best out of their arms. So, you know, we will see with Colin Snyder. The final thing before we get to our main subject today, a report came out from Daniel Kramer of MLB.com about a couple nuggets on the Mariners non-roster invitees to spring training. Harry Ford and Cole Young, the Mariners' top two prospects, will both be getting invitations to Big League Camp. And more importantly, they will both be getting time on the infield. Cole's a shortstop. He's obviously going to be on the infield. But Harry Ford, who's came up through the organization as a catcher, we've heard so much about his athleticism. He's finally going to get to see time in the field out somewhere besides behind the plate. And what I think because of that is that they see a path to the big leagues this year for Harry Ford. And he's not going to unseat Cal Raleigh. It does Harry Ford no service to sit behind Cal Raleigh at the big league level. You'd rather get him up there to the big league level and play every single day somewhere else. And it seems like that's going to be infield. That'd be great. And third base makes the most sense, right? It's the probably least solidified position right now. So if Harry Ford's going to learn third base, then I'm sure he's got the arm for it. Obviously, he's got a great arm behind the plate. So if he can be behind the plate, he can definitely be over at third base. If he can get up that way great. The only thing I'm a little bit surprised about with Harry Ford is I always figured if he was going to play somewhere else, it was going to be the outfield, but I guess they say infield. Outfield's a little less resistance in the outfield, I think. Kind of. Kind of. I mean, there's the thing, the, what Harry has working for him on the infield. Here's, here's how I put it. All the Mariners best prospects are infielders right now, but the, the thing is they're all younger than Harry Ford and they're all lower in the organization than him. So if he's going to get to the big leagues first, he can go there and grab a spot. But if he's a good athlete, you know, you could you can move him in and out if if you need to, as long as you get him enough repetition when he needs it out there. If you see Harry Ford somehow supplanting Cade Marlowe, Taylor Trammell, and Kanan Smith and Jigba and jumping all of them to the big leagues, then yeah, outfield's a realistic path. Uh, but I don't think so, because right now, if you move Harry Ford to the infield, who's in front of him? Yeah, that's a good point. It's less crowded out there right now. Although if his bat is that good, maybe you find a spot for him in the outfield if you if you feel like that's where he's better suited and you rotate everybody else around as needed. Maybe. But yeah, if they really think he can play third base, 
great. I always figured if he was going to play anywhere in the infield, it'd be second base, but they obviously have a solution for second base now in Jorge Polanco. So yeah, I'll be interested to see how he looks over at third base. The other thing too is like I always figured there was a chance some other guys could get moved around. Cole Young, for example. Don't you think if he was going to get up to the big leagues now, he'd be at third base because they've got Polanco. I thought Cole was going to be a second baseman. Sorry, did I say did I say third? That's what I meant. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody everybody thought Cole Young, when he got called up, would be the second baseman. But now they have Polanco, and assuming he plays well, you'd have to put Cole Young somewhere else, right? Like wouldn't he play third? Well, if you got the whiteboard in Jerry's office, if you're looking at your prospects, they're going to make an impact on the big leagues this year. And you have Harry Ford at number one. He's going to get that priority spot over Cole. So if he goes to third, then there's no reason to bring Cole up this season. I I like I, I knew you floated way earlier in this offseason that you don't think it's out of out of the question that Cole Young comes up and plays in the big league this year. I think that for the most part gets shot down if Harry Ford spends a lot of time on the infield in the minor leagues and he's slotted ahead of Cole Young because that would be taking Cole's spot. And then Cole and then and then Cole would fight for a spot next season. The Mariners would have another roster crunch on their hand to really figure out how they're going to get all these guys playing time if Cole's really ready next year at age 21. If Harry's playing better than Cole Young, Harry's going to be the first one up. But I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up that Cole Young take of mine because I feel like I'm validated a little bit with this Daniel Kramer report. Now I feel like me saying there is a chance Cole Young gets up in September isn't crazy anymore because why in the world else would they have him playing significant time in big league camp if they thought he was not going to be up at all this year? Uh, There are 30 one other people invited in the same list as Cole Young. But it sounds like he's going to play a lot. There's guys that get invited to big league camp that don't play all that much. Sounds like him and Harry are going to play. That's fair, but I, uh, the news that Harry's on the infield makes me think Cole is a, is a rung lower than, than Harry Ford. And unfortunately, I did like, I'd like your take. But if Harry's going to take his spot on the infield, it kind of nullifies any chance Cole Young has of being up unless someone gets hurt. Honestly, it sounds like it could be a race between those two to the show. Harry Ford, as we sit right now, is probably a little bit ahead of Cole Young because Harry played the whole year in high A. Cole played part of the year in high A. But it may be a race all of a sudden between those two. Those guys, will play, dif- those guys will play different spots in double A this year at some point in time, whether it's right away, a few weeks in, a month and a half in, whatever. Assuming Cole Young continues to hit, he's going to double A this year. And they will play different positions. So whoever's hitting better between those two, that's who's going to have the edge. It could be. Yeah, we're going to ha- we're going to have to see that. I'm excited to watch both of them and hey, both of them will be on uh, 10 of 30 games we can watch on Root Sports. 10 <sighs> of 30. 10 of 30. One third of the games are on Root Sports. Why? Why like like what is the issue with showing all of them? It's a good question. I I, I don't know what what do they show on Root at noon on a weekday? Couldn't tell you if I've ever turned on Root at noon on a weekday, unless it's a day, it's a daytime Mariners game. Yeah, right. Is it Mariners All Access? Are they just regurgitating that? Like you'd think, it's it is kind of puzzling, but that's it. They'll all be on the radio. Yeah, well, radio is great, and 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 obviously Rick and Aaron and Gary are all awesome. But it is nice to have some visual, and it's nice to just have highlights tweeted out. Yeah, well. You know who to take it up with. You know who's in charge of Root Sports now. 
Yeah, it's it's one big group. Okay, let's take a quick pause. We're going to talk to you guys about our friends over at Pagotcha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. You guys know it by now. We're going to continue to say it. We love hanging out there. We love grabbing some drinks there. We love hanging out with our friends there, eating some pizza. Like You name it. What do you want to go do? You want to have a good time with your friends? You want to eat some good food? Head over there. And if you go during happy hour, you guys know the drill. But there's some awesome drink specials from 2 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Great prices. They include $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 Wells, and $4 House Wines. You want all that and to go watch some games and to spend some time with your friends, head over to Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Well, we were talking about third base, right? We've done it the last couple of shows. We've talked about the platoon of Urias and Rojas. Now we're talking about Harry Ford or Cole Young playing third base. But what if they went and got a more solidified option than that down the road at the trade deadline? They got payroll in the budget. They haven't spent all of it this winter. It seems like they're allocating some of those funds. They continue to say payroll is going to go up. Could they be looking at a certain somebody down the road? And that certain somebody you are referencing is one Nolan Arenado, third baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Do I think this is a good idea? I'm a little torn, dog. Not going to lie. I might need you to convince me here that this is a good idea. I am all for getting better at third base. And Nolan Arenado, for the last 10 years, has been one of the best third basemen in baseball. And he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. In fact, just two seasons ago in 2022, he was top three in NL MVP voting at 7.2 wins above replacement. He had a career-high WRC+. plus. He was awesome. He's a platinum glove winner at third base. He brings you everything you want to know. If you look at his Savant page, he is trending in the wrong direction in a lot of areas. He is showing all the telltale signs of aging, not just with the bat, with the speed, with the chase, with the defense, and he is owed a lot of money the next three years for an organization that claims they don't have money to spend. And if they're going to roll out of bed, after trading for him at the trade deadline this season, and then 2025, they pay him $32 million to play third base at age 24. I'm struggling to see that. So I'm going to try to sell you on a couple things, but first clarify, I think this trade is dependent on three things. Number one, how do Urias and Rojas look as a platoon through the first four months of the season? I think that's number one. Number two, how does Nolan Arenado look through the first four months of the season? And number three, maybe most importantly, how do the Cardinals as a team look through the first four months? The Cardinals last year were a disaster. Like every single player had down years. They couldn't get anything going as a unit and, and they had an awful season. They missed the playoffs in a bad division. Like it was a forgetful season in St. Louis. Is that going to happen again? I don't know. I don't love their starting pitching, but that offense is plenty good enough to click and turn it around in, again, 
a bad division that just lost maybe the best arm in the division in Corbin Burns. Two more things. Yeah, go go ahead. ahead. No, so I was just going to wrap that up by saying, could the Cardinals have another bad year? Sure. I'm not saying that roster is perfect. There are certainly flaws. I would guess, though, you're going to see the Cardinals have a much better year than they did than they did in 23. But it's all dependent on those three things. They would need to have an absolute travesty of a year for them to consider this, I think, because they have a lot of years of Nolan Arenado control left. Here's another thing that I think you uh, first off, he has a full no trade clause. He would need to say yes to going to Seattle. Mm-hmm. That is the biggest thing. You need to convince Nolan Arenado that the Seattle Mariners is where he wants to spend the twilight years of his career. That's the hardest thing. And then number two of points I, I think you missed here, the Vegas projections, win total projections, uh, when you take a look at them, the Mariners and the Cardinals are the same win total. So the quality of baseball team in St. Louis Vegas thinks is the same quality of baseball team win-wise in Seattle. That doesn't, uh, I wouldn't say that wouldn't inspire a whole lot of, well, they're going to stink. The Mariners are going to be good enough to want to give up what is necessary to go get Nolan Arenado on the, another, on the other side. And let me let me remind our listeners, there, Nolan Arenado has a very interesting contract that he signed with the Rockies. I'm going to give a shout out to one of my favorite baseball creators out there, Foolish Baseball. He made an awesome video on the Nolan Arenado trade from Colorado to St. Louis. And the Rockies, essentially, when they gave Nolan Arenado a contract back before the 2019 season, they essentially signed him as a PR decision to give him the contract but not actually wanting to commit the contra- the the amount of money to him so they didn't have to pay him long term in the future and they didn't have to spend a whole lot of money as you can tell the Rockies right now are just a disjointed mess of whatever I don't even know how to describe the Colorado Rockies right now but in that video it just it describes that you know Nolan they gave Nolan Arenado they signed him to uh, I think it was an eight-year contract but they put an opt-out clause for Nolan after just two seasons so they could say, hey, we signed Nolan, but then when he opts out after two more good seasons and leaves because, well, we're not going to, we don't want to match that offer. We're just going to let him go. It wasn't our fault. It wasn't our fault. So that's why he eventually got traded to the St. Louis Cardinals before the 2021 season where he had a down year. That's when the first opt-out was. He opted in. Then he has the unbelievable best season of his career in 2022 where he could have gone back onto the market after that 2022 season. He could have re-upped for another 10 years at significantly more money than he's making right now. And he would have, I think, seven more years. No, he would have uh, eight or nine more years left on his contract right now at an absurd amount. But he decided to decline the player opt-out after that season and stay with St. Louis. If that doesn't tell you the guy is dedicated to staying in St. Louis and using that no trade clause, I don't know what that is. I mean, he decided to stay in St. Louis twice, twice, actually three times. First was the trade in which he exercised his no trade clause. And he said, yes, I can get traded there. And then he declined the first opt out. Then he declined the second opt out. And now he's got four years left on his deal. Sorry, four years left on his deal right now. So this year's worth $35 million. Next year's worth $32 million at age 34. 2026, it's $27 million at age 35. $15 million 
at age 36 in 2027 and what she's a free agent after that year. It's a loyal dude right there. I don't know how they they would I don't I don't know how they sell him on that. Well, how about the fact the Cardinals seem to be open to trading everybody at the deadline last year, including Nolan. So they kept him, but clearly they were floating him out there. Clearly the Cardinals didn't have an issue for the right package to trade him away. Now they didn't. They they re-geared for 2024, hoping that this team can run it back and be much better than they were a season ago, because again, it was a down year. But they floated him out there. They said everybody's available. And that's why it all comes back to this for me. This is what I'm selling you on. This is a perfect trade to try and gauge at the deadline. Because for all the reasons you and I have both just mentioned, you will have so much more information. Because look, I saw the same thing as you. Everybody who's into baseball saw the same thing as the two of us. You look at Nolan Arenado's numbers, they're going down. His peripherals, going down. That's not a good sign for a guy that's aging. But if you give it four months in 2024, you're going to be able to tell, is it a trend? Or was it just a one-off last year? Because if he bounces back and he's in an all-star game next win- next summer, then there's, it's a different story. If he lets all, if he lets bygones be bygones and puts that behind him, and he bounces back next year, then maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a trend. Maybe it was a one-off. I don't think it's a one-off. This is a four-year trend. Ever since he's been to St. Louis, his hard rate, hard hit rate has taken a dip. So is his walk rate, his arm strength, his quality of contact, his average exit velocity. All in the last four years, they've gone down. Four years, not one. Four years, even in that 2022 year. They have gone in the wrong direction. Well, but 23 was worse than them all. I'm saying, like, he doesn't have to do what yeah, he did numbers in Colorado. Wise it, was. it was, but if we, I know we love our expected numbers. <laughs> Taking a peek at his expected numbers, even in that 2022 season, they weren't very good. He had way better expected numbers in Colorado than he did in St. Louis. No, his... His expected numbers in 23 were down from where they were in 22. Like they took a step down. I'm not well, saying they, yes, yeah, they were. But I'm there are saying, some some notable ones that are on a four-year downtrend. I'm not saying he has to get back to his Colorado peak. I'm saying if he's even 2022 Arenado, that's all right. Because again, like where his peripherals were in 22, this is going to happen at some point. He's an aging player. Yeah. But what he did in 22, paired with the peripherals, is fine. It's just that it continues to go down. So if it all trends down again in 24, yeah, I'm out. But if it so, takes a tick up, I'm, I'm listening. I, I love Nolan Arenado as a baseball player. He had a 107 WRC plus last season. Do you think the combination the Mariners have at third right now could put that up? Yeah, they can combine to be better than 107. But I'm saying this is again why this is a perfect thing to gauge at the deadline. What if Arenado's at 135 at the deadline? Then all of a sudden you're like, okay. Then I'm down. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm getting at. If you were to say, let's trade for Nolan Arenado right now, number one, there would be no chance because the Cardinals are set on trying to win at least to start in 2024. And nobody can love what he did both on basics, like on his WRC plus numbers and his batted ball data in 2023. Every, like we're all in agreement with that. But again, if it all goes up in 24, if he's WRC plusing 130 to 135, I'm listening. Because along with that, there's no way the Mariners are taking on all that money. They'd have to take on some, but they're not taking on $32 million in 2025. They take on some of it, 
but I'm sure the Cardinals would also eat some of it. Well, that would cost significant prospect capital. I'm going to come back to the Mariners might listen. Yeah. Well, the car, the, the Cardinals might listen. If the, the Mariners start floating some real prospects out there, will Nolan Arenado listen to the Seattle Mariners? Depends on what they're, they're looking like on the field. If it's, if it's compared to like your fan graphs projection and them and the Cardinals are at about the same win total. No. And in that situation, not only are, the Mariners probably not trading for him, but the Cardinals aren't likely dealing him away. But if the Mariners are at the top of the AL West and they're winning and got this young team. By how many games at the top of the AL West? Like run away? It's hard to say they'd run away, but you know what? It, like yeah. if they're if they're like far enough over 500 where even if it's a two-game lead of the West and if they were to fall back, they'd still be in the wild card. They'd have a wild card spot. I feel like it'd be hard for Nolan to say no to that, especially if, again, they're not, the Mariners aren't a one-year wonder. This is a core that's going to be together for a few years. And if the Cardinals are bad, then yeah. Look, when it's all said and done, it's unlikely this trade is happening, right? I'm trying to make a case for why it could happen. Like, this is very unlikely for all the obstacles that we have laid out, both you and I both. But if you want to look at the glass half full and say, why could it happen? I'm, I'm painting the picture of how it could happen. I will just say in my final point uh, of this, we we have long complained and articulated of why hitters, free agent hitters do not want to come to Seattle. This would essentially be a free agent decision, a three and a half year contract for Nolan Arenado to come to Seattle, more likely than not, right? If he's going to get traded here. So he has control over the next three and a half years of his life. This isn't a rental situation for Nolan Arenado. It would be convincing Nolan Arenado he wants to spend three and a half seasons in Seattle. And, you know, there's perceptions out there for plenty of players on why they wouldn't want to come play in Seattle. It's been the the results of free agency, spending, team-wise, leadership-wise, etc., have been well noted with the results of, of noted free agency. So we'll see. We'll see if no one has an open mind, if the Cardinals have really hit the tank this upcoming season, and he might he would then reconsider his options. Again, Let's circle back to this in August. One way or another, let's circle back to this in August because we're either going to look ridiculous or we're going to circle back and back to this and say, oh, well, maybe we can kind of rehash this. Maybe there's a chance out there. But one way or another, we're going to have something to talk about about six months down the line in August, whether this is just an old takes exposed from a winter offseason show or if it was what were these guys thinking? Like, oh, what is what, the meme of what did they know? So it's going to be one or the other. Before we get to our MLB wraparound, let's hear a word from our friends over at Simply Seattle. Spring training's coming up. We're going to be there. And if you want to have the best Mariners gear to wear at spring training, we recommend you go check out our friends at Simply Seattle. They have the best assortment of Mariners gear that you could find. Also, if you want to buy some Seahawks gear, some Sonics gear, some Kraken gear, some Huskies gear, they have it all for you. You can go check it out at simplyseattle.com and use our code MARINE15 for 15% off your order. Again, that's MARINE15 at simplyseattle.com. If you want to get some gear for spring training, go check them out. Let's get to our MLB wraparound. Up first on the wraparound, the Royals have actually spent some money. They gave Bobby Witt Jr. a essentially 14-year contract 
worth well over $300 million. Very interesting deal that Bobby Witt got in Kansas City. Though, let me, here's a number that will blow your mind. So they gave him the guaranteed amount is 11 years, $288 million. Do you know the next largest deal the Royals have given out in franchise history? I'm going to take a guess here. Is it Lorenzo Cain? Nope. Is they never it... paid him. Oh, yeah, they did never pay him. Wait, no, he never signed an extension there? I don't think so. Okay. Is it Alex Gordon? He's third. Hmm. I don't know. They gave Salvi Perez a four-year, $82 million contract. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. That is... So, I, I can't do math. That's it's like... It's $206 million difference. Yeah. That is a lot. The, so, now there is one... There are, sorry, two franchises that have never given out a $100 million contract. It's the White Sox and the A's. Shocker. Hmm. It just blows my mind the White Sox have never done that, but... That's a conversation for another day. <clears throat> Not shocking, given who the owner is. I like this for baseball. I'll tell you what, we can get into the contract and the Royal side of it, but when star players sign with their homegrown teams, like it's good for baseball. You don't want every marquee player hitting free agency, going to the Dodgers and the Yankees. That's not fun for anybody. I mean, maybe for Dodgers and Yankee fans, but for the game as a whole, that doesn't help grow the game. This is great for the parity of the sport. It's great for the growth of the sport. Mid-market teams deserve stars. And you know what? There's a lot of them right now with young stars. Bobby Witt, homegrown player with the Royals, signs a big extension. Julio signs a big extension. Corbin Carroll with the Diamondbacks signs a big extension. This is a good thing. Fernando Tatis, you can throw in two. Homegrown player with the Padres, extension. This is a good thing when smaller market teams have superstar players that come up through the organization and stay there a long time. So Bobby Witt being another guy to check off that list, it's really good for baseball. Have we seen a young star, though, have so much leverage in contract negotiations? This is such a unique contract for Bobby Witt Jr. So the guaranteed locked-in part for Bobby Witt is seven years in $148.7 million. Then after that, he has four consecutive seasons. This, that takes him, by the way, to 2030. Then starting in 2030, after the 2030 season, he, have, he has an opt-out in his contract four seasons in a row. Four years in a row. If he makes it somehow through all four of those opt-outs, it triggers a team option for three more years after that, which takes it to 2037. When I read this contract, we already brought it up earlier. I couldn't help but think of the Nolan Arenado contract. It looks, with a little more guaranteed length, a lot like that. I, do, I hope this isn't the Royals giving themselves an excuse when the bill comes due on paying Bobby Wood over $30 million a year that they don't just go like, okay, Bobby, now you can go. And in reality, they only bought out two of his free agent years. That's actually not that much. This is different than Julio's, where Julio is going to be a Mariner for a significant amount of time. Bobby Witt, at a very young age, at age entering his age 31 season, essentially, can go hit free agency, where if he continues to do what we think he's going to continue to do in his career based off what he's done so far, he could get a fat payday down the line. But if the Royals prove they can win around him, and by that time they really have a core around him, and they've spent money on other players and have a contender, Maybe he wouldn't leave in that sense. Well, okay, let me rephrase. 
at some point in those four years, he will probably opt out and leave. But maybe he'll stick around a little bit longer than right after 2030. We'll see. And he'd be giving up a lot of money. He'd essentially be giving up about $200 million over seven seasons. If he opted out after that first one, that's about what he'd be giving up because he's making well over $30 million in each of those seven seasons that he can opt out of. So I, it's interesting. But if he's if he knocks it out of the park and he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory at 31, yeah, he's opting out. And you know what? The Royals are not matching whatever contract the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox or not the Red Sox. They get thrown out. Their actions are in, inexplicable, so they don't get to they don't get to bid on Bobby Witt Jr. But the Dodgers and the Yankees certainly could bid for Bobby Witt Jr. services once 2030 rolls around. The Royals will get the best years of Bobby Witt, though. That's the most important thing. There is no doubt during the prime of Bobby Witt's career, he will be a Kansas City Royal. And as you said, that's a really, really, really good thing. Again, mid-market teams need stars. They can't all be in New York and L.A. That's not, that's not good for the game. This is, again, Corbin Carroll, Julio, Bobby Witt, Tatis. I'm sure there's going to be others at some point. I'm sure one of these Orioles guys is going to get an extension at some point. That's good for the game. You want stars everywhere, not just in the biggest markets. So Bobby Witt staying in Kansas City, that's awesome for baseball. And you know what? He's got a core around him of bats right now. They're going to have to find pitching. But when you have Vinny Pasquantino, when you have MJ Melendez, and you have a few others, it's a good thing. Like the, the Royals often, the Royals, I, I feel like, were the most exciting 60 win team in baseball last year. Like they felt way better than they actually were. And I wouldn't be shocked if they take a big step forward this year. I don't think they're making the playoffs, but I bet you they're frisky. You know what's interesting about this? I think Bobby Witt might leave even if they win in this seven year stretch until he hits free agency. I mean, that's not the. That's not unrealistic. The cycle of a winning baseball team, they could peak in year three or four and then be bad again by year seven. And so, right. so they still win. It's unlikely that Kansas City puts the resources into baseball to become the LA Dodgers. Therefore, year over year success for 15 years is unlikely. And Bobby Witt could leave and then still go get paid in a massive market to finish out his career. But we'll have to see with that. It's good on Bobby for signing this contract and not pulling a pulling a stiff arm and be like, no, no, I'm I'm hitting free agency. Yeah, it's great. It's it's awesome. But you're probably right about the free agency the free agency thing down the road. Well, speaking of the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw's back. That's our second storyline here on the wraparound. I mean, are we shocked at all? I mean, it's yeah, it's like a trade deadline acquisition. He can't pitch until the second half of the season anyway. He had shoulder surgery in November. I don't know how much Clayton Kershaw really has left in the tank. This is a LeBron contract he signed. It's a two-year deal with a player option for the second season. This is the, I'm going to see how I feel in the second half of the season, and then I will either retire or pitch another year for Clayton Kershaw. And you know what? They could probably use him because uh, if there's one weakness of this Dodgers team, that rotation uh, it is uh, like they've they've put some resources into it, but it's by no means stable. I mean, you have Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who's going to p- be pitching his first season stateside. Tyler Glass now is a perennial, perennial injury risk. And they signed James Paxton. We know he's also a perennial. I can't say that. Year-to-year oh. injury risk. I can't pronounce that fucking word. I hate that. Um, <laughs> and then they have young guys like Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, Emma Sheen, and all these other guys. Like, that's not, that's far from a killer's row of 
of rotation arms because you know Tyler Glass now doesn't like never pitched 200 innings in his career, and you're going to say, okay, you're the number two now. Now you kind of need Clayton Kershaw. Now, if Clayton Kershaw is the guy you're going to rely on, who here's a stat that's going to blow your mind. You know, he hasn't pit, had thrown 30 starts since 2015. He's he's had injury problems. Yeah, and like you like you said. We'll see what Yamamoto looks like in year one. Look, Kodai Senga was awesome in year one, but it's not like he didn't have his struggles. First half of the year, he had his ups and downs. Second half, he was really good. It's pretty normal for a guy pitching his first season in the U.S., but we'll see what Yamamoto looks like. You are right, though, about the starting pitching. If it's if it all peaks, they're going to be the best in baseball. Well, them or the Mariners. If it doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't, then yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be exposed a little bit, and obviously it basically goes without saying. Shohei's not pitching this year, but if Clayton Kershaw comes back in July and gives him a shot in the arm, it's gonna help the Dodgers a lot. Can I actually give Kershaw some credit on something? Shout out to Arm on this, Arm Layton of the Just Baseball Show. Clayton Kershaw, you'd be surprised how good he's still been when he's on the field. So Clayton Kershaw has thrown 258 innings over his last two seasons. Do you know what his ERA is in that time? I know his ERA is the last four seasons. Well, in the last two, it's 237. Last four, it's 255 while battling injury. It's <laughs> goats will continue to goat their way into the Hall of Fame and into retirement. And Clayton Kershaw, even as his velocity's gone down and his stuff has ticked down and his control and command has gone down as well, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. He still does just does not allow runs, period. Speaking of the Just Baseball Show, forgot to mention somebody. Uh, the Just Baseball Show's Walker Bueller in his first year back from Tommy John also going to be an arm that the Dodgers are going to try and you know keep track of this year. Doesn't doesn't form any sense of again reliability. There's there's a lot of uncertainty in that group. Sure, yeah, there absolutely is. But I think everybody's happy to have Clayton Kershaw back in Southern yeah. California. And I will say this. Was the dude really ever going anywhere else? No, he was not. No. Like maybe a couple seasons ago, there was a chance he thought about going to Texas. Maybe last winter, he thought about going to Texas. But this year when he was a free agent, when you see everything that the Dodgers have done this offseason, and he's only pitched in one uniform ever, come on. He didn't see these guys sign Shohei and Yamamoto to say, you know what, now I'm going to go pitch somewhere else. No. He's going to be a Dodger for his entire career, and when he decides he wants to be done, he'll be done. Yeah. It was going to be the Dodgers or the golf course. Correct. That's it. Those are the only two choices. So good to see Kershaw back or curious to see how he will be when he comes back from injury. That that Dodgers rotation is going to that's going to that's going to make and break their season and something for everyone to keep an eye on as we roll through this 2024 season. We saved our favorite storyline for last. Do you want to you want me to read word for word what I wrote down on on my notes for what this third one is? I do. I'm going to sit back, eat my popcorn and kind of just let you go. Word for word. Las Vegas tells the A's to fuck off. <laughs> Imagine that. Nobody wants to deal with John Fisher. Who would have thought? Nobody wants to deal with the guy because so let's contextualize this. The mayor of Las Vegas comes out and says, you know, I hope the A's find a way to stay in Oakland. That tells me they don't want to deal with John Fisher because the A's, sorry, the city of Vegas wants a baseball team. There's no doubt 
they want a baseball team. Look at how well the Raiders have done in terms of popularity since being there. Look how great the Golden Knights have done in popularity. Look at how much better the city is doing than they even were before. Look at how much revenue they're generating, not just with those two teams, but in sports books as well from having hometown teams there. They want a baseball team. They just don't want the A's. They would be happy to take on an expansion team when that inevitably happens at some point. But they're not stupid. They can see where the A's are going, and it's not up. Oh, it's not up. This whole Vegas situation with the A's is just such a mess. It is. It 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 just doesn't make any sense. By the way, funny enough, we keep talking about podcasts today, and people talking about podcasts. She said this on the front off. Uh, what is it? The front uh, the front office podcast. Yeah, front office sports podcast during Super Bowl week, which we will touch on actually next as well. I mean, man, I'm just thinking about sitting back and thinking about this. Where like the mayor of a team that wants a baseball team essentially came out and said, "Yeah, we're good." I think they should stay where they are. I mean, like, doesn't that tell you all you need to know? Or what about the teachers union that that sued the state of the city of Las Vegas to try and block the funding? Or they might have sued the state of Nevada, but they try to block the funding of the stadium because the A's contingent for a stadium was the fact they were going to get a sweetheart deal from the state where they can get a free $400 million. And the teachers union's like, why the fuck are you guys giving $400 million to a billionaire, uh, nepot- what's the right word, uh, a nepotism baby owner who inherited the wealth from his father who founded Gap, who bought this baseball team, and now give him $400 million when our state rates for, ranks 48th in education. It's just, it's so funny. I mean, everything seems to be going wrong for the A's in this move to to Vegas. I'm just like, I sit here and I think about it more. I'm thinking of a July day in Las Vegas. It's triple digits out. If you have been to Las Vegas or you have been to Las Vegas, you probably know that Las Vegas is very spread out. It is. They cover the entire valley there in Vegas, right? It is way, way out there. You need a car to do anything. Could you imagine asking 25 to 30,000 people to get in their cars and drive to the strip at the same time, multiple times a week, while it is over 100 degrees in your open-air stadium that is right on the strip, only seats 30,000 fans, by the way, who are probably already fans of other teams because they're relocated to Las Vegas and expect to make money on it in market number four. No, not four Lyle, not market four market 40. Incredible. Why don't again, it's it's such an easy solution, but it'll probably never happen. Just sell the team. John Fisher, stay in Northern California, get a new stadium, please tear down the Coliseum forever and build an actual state of the art one somewhere. Just do that. Yeah makes so much more sense yeah yeah i'm i'm even skeptical for vegas as an expansion franchise but as this relates to the a's yeah why would you want to deal with them why would you want to i don't even know how this move increases the valuation of the oakland athletics everything about the franchise i feel like deteriorates in value by moving to las vegas the media market is smaller the television deal will be worse you'll have a stadium that i guess you technically own but you know, all these battles with the state, it's in a crummy location and you won't be able to draw. And as of right now, I mean, you have no star players on the roster, by the way, uh, if people are curious about the Las Vegas strip, I don't know how people get to that stadium in the first place. 
How do people get to the Vegas stadium? You can't take a bus. You can't take a train to the stadium. No. No, you got you to gotta drive there. It's, it's, it sucks, and you're not going not gonna to get many people on uh, many weeknights there. And you thought the Coliseum was empty? Wait until they have this brand-new Vegas stadium that three years after it opens, the A's are bad, and they get like 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people there. You just can't, can't make any money on it. And it sinks. I keep forgetting, Lyle, last thing on this for me. This Vegas stadium's not projected to open until 2028. This thing 20, may not happen. 28? That is four seasons from now. Yeah, this may not happen. Like, this may all wow. fall apart. Incredible. Sad. All right, let's get to speak your mind. Speak your mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. TJ, what are we thinking about this week? We got a big game on Sunday. Speaking of Vegas, let's start with my list of priorities. First of all, I got to give a shout out to the drunk guy today here on Wednesday that managed to scale the sphere in Las Vegas. He climbed all the way up that sphere. I think that's one of the most incredible things anyone has ever done in my life is climb him up that giant projector ball in Las Vegas. And he's just chilling at the top. I don't know what happened to him. He probably got arrested by helicopter or something, but that's amazing. I didn't even see it until you mentioned it today. Somehow. Somehow I didn't see it, but incredible. I can't believe they... uh, Sorry. I should say I can't believe they built that thing, but it's Vegas. Of course they did. So... You know who owns that, right? Uh, Tell me. James Dolan. Oh, duh. Yeah. Of course. So are you shocked he bought it? He built it? No. No, you're not. Anything else you're highlighting for the game this weekend or no? So are you going to be following Taylor Swift's flight from Tokyo to Vegas Uh, overnight? I know you're a huge Swifty. Well, probably not. Hmm. Do you think she'll make it in time? No, I won't. She'll make it in time. She's got a lot of time. We can talk about the game, though. What are you... uh, so what are we thinking? What are we thinking? We have a rematch of the Super Bowl from our senior year of college where you and I were 100% on the Patrick Mahomes train, rooting them for them to beat the 49ers. I'm in the same boat again. The 49ers win a Super Bowl. I will be one unhappy camper. So I assume you're on the same one, even if you have some reservations about uh, one Taylor Swift. Listen, like, I know... Earlier in the year, like both of us, for the record, said this was really annoying. To be honest, like, like it's it's fine at this point. Like, obviously, she's not doing anything other than just showing up and going to the games. It's like it's more it's more the people you kind of have to see on on you know who like the extreme fans of hers who are like like just nonstop about it. That's where it gets a little much. But no, her being at the games, it's fine. Like like whatever. It's it's not affecting us, right? Like Colin Coward did the same did the thing talking about she's really only on like 20 seconds a game but that being said yeah i'm rooting for the chiefs are you kidding i'm rooting for the chiefs like one no seahawks fan should be supporting like rooting for the 49ers and two i really like patrick mahomes some people don't some people are a little more out on him the whole you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain motto and some people feel that way about mahomes now i don't i like patrick mahomes i want to see him keep winning for what it's worth so, yes, I will be rooting for the Chiefs. I think the Niners are a better team in just about 
all but two positions on the football field. But Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey could be enough to overthrow that. What's the second position? Well, tight end, and you can argue Kittle's better, but like, I don't know, I guess I'd still take Kelsey. Hmm. I would have taken Kelsey like two years ago. Just like he's, he hasn't been as good this year. He's been kind of slow, slowed down. Yeah, he hasn't been as good, but Kittle also isn't like the overpowering pass catcher. He's an unbelievable blocker, and obviously he's good in the pass game, but I don't think he's as good as Travis Kelsey in the pass game. I don't think he changes the courses, the course of games over receptions the way that Kelsey does. I guess that's how I'm thinking about it. He is a better blocker. I'm ready for the Brock Purdy legacy game. We were robbed of it last year, Lyle. We were robbed. And now we're finally going to get to see whether Brock Purdy has it. I got to be honest. (laughs) I kind of hope he just sucks. I think it would just make it so much easier for us if Brock Purdy played the worst game of his career on Super Bowl Sunday. Luckily, the Chiefs have a very good defense. They have been excellent on defense this season. And if they go out and they play their best defensive game of the season in that building, make Brock Purdy look bad, man, all that that discourse around Brock Purdy throughout the regular season, I hope would be quieted down a little bit. I mean, I'm kind of sick and tired of talking about it, but he's playing in the Super Bowl, so we're going to have to hear it. Well, it should have ended two weeks ago. Unfortunately, he was benefited from the Lions just absolutely collapsing and benefiting from a ball hitting off a safety's face and into the hands of Brandon Ayuk. But, oh, he's the Lord and Savior of the San Francisco 49ers. No, he is a slightly, slightly better version of Jimmy G. Yeah. Same thing. Loaded, <laughs> loaded roster around him. Unbelievable head coach. Best play caller in the league in Kyle Shanahan with an unbelievable set of weapons. And he is slightly better than Jimmy G. He makes slightly less mistakes. But no, he is not some savior. He is not a top five quarterback in the league or whatever that some people are trying to call him. Like, I couldn't stand that he was in the MVP race for a while. Because, again, like, people get mad when you say he's a game manager. He is absolutely a game manager. I don't know what else you think he is. That's what he is. He ran a little bit two weeks ago. So we both have the Chiefs. Here's the other thing I was thinking about. So that, yeah, so I think we we agree there. So that's not quite as much discussion. There's another thing I was thinking about this week. Do you think you would enjoy, like, as a fan going to a Super Bowl in Vegas? Like, the Super Bowl is already expensive, but Vegas, I mean, the fact that the get-in price for a ticket is, like, eight grand. Are you, like... NFC title games and AFC title games are the way better environments compared to Super Bowls. The Super Bowls are so corporate at this point because tickets are so expensive. Only the 1% of the 1% go or it's given to, you know, tickets are given away in a sense to certain people or you go as media. So would I enjoy it? Look, I'm sure if I was at a Super Bowl, I would enjoy it. I don't know if I'm ever going because again, I'd, I'd, one, I'd rather go to a title game because if it's your own team in it, the environment's going to be way better as opposed to a neutral setting. It's going to be slightly less expensive. And yeah, and it's, it's in your hometown. I think the only way I'd ever get to a Super Bowl, maybe you feel the same way as if you were to go and cover it one day on, mm. on Radio Row and then at the game. I think that's about it. Yeah, that would make the most, yeah, that would make the most sense. I, I would need to somehow jump like three tax brackets to get, get into, get into any sort of realistic, realistic, area to to pay for the pay for the Super Bowl. I've just seen some of the prices. It's been it's been absolutely absurd. 
it, I don't think it also settled me, dog, that this is the last football Sunday of the season. Kind of, uh, kind of depressing to think about, but I guess now well, I realize it. This was sort of my speak your mind, which was now that it's going to be over and we're going to have some gap till baseball, you got to get ready for some college hoops, Teach. You have to. No, I'll pass. I'm going to spend my Sundays doing better things. TJ really doesn't like college basketball for those unfamiliar. Like the product stinks. I feel no, it's so I not like it. good basketball. I'm not even like a big. I don't even watch the NBA really. I just in my hierarchy of things, especially after starting this podcast, like my sports viewing time is a lot thinner than it was when I was in college, when I was in high school. So if I'm tuning, turning sports on, baseball is probably priority number one. Football is priority number two. Basketball is priority number three. And of the basketball tier, college basketball is the lower one. And I'm going to be honest, you sit down and you watch a college basketball game. Is it good basketball? That's why I think it's fun. No, it's, it's not fun. It's bad. I don't know. I think there's so much more parody in college hoops than there is in the Oh, NBA. there is? The NBA is so. a NBA's- scripted wwe on hardwood as we've as we've described exactly however tournament's good yeah well and that's what i was gonna say is i feel like the last two years not not because i'm like you where i don't like college basketball i do i just feel like yeah maybe it's because we've been busier with more stuff i feel like i haven't watched as much of it so that's that's my sort of goal once football ends here on sunday is really get back into college hoops especially before march madness starts it's not that i've watched none but I used to watch a lot more. I'd love to get back into watching more of it. And I'm, I am I will personally try to before March Madness starts. So I was thinking about that a little bit. Let me know when the first week of March Madness starts and I'll, uh, I'll wake up. Okay. I guess I also thought I'd throw this out there as our last thing. And I'm sure – I know we've brought it up in a general sense the last few weeks. And I'm sure we'll bring it up more when we get to the week prior. But I was going to say the other thing on my speak your mind list was we now officially – have our spring training tickets. So I figured if anybody's going to be down there that listens or watches, we just let them know. I will be the, I will be there at spring training from March 5th through the 10th. TJ's going to get down one night later than me, but or sorry, two nights later than me, but um, 7th through the 10th. Right. So the days you will be at spring training, 7th through the 10th, I'll be there the 5th through the 10th. And if anybody's there, let us know. We again, like we always say, we love to meet people. We love to talk baseball with people. If you're going to be there in that time frame and you're going to be out of game, certainly let us know. It'd be great. It'd be great if we could meet up with some people. Um, and again, I just thought I'd throw that out and say, one, we're really excited about it. And two, I'm sure as we get closer, we'll bring it up a little bit more. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Same here. All right. I think that'll just about wrap up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full form podcast, you can do so wherever you get your audio pods. If you're listening, please rate and review. Give us a five-star review. Download the episode. It helps us out a bunch. Like, comment, subscribe on YouTube, and then follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.